do extend a welcome to each one gathered in this morning as we come to worship the Lord together. And we do welcome those who are watching and listening online. And may we all enjoy the presence, the blessing of the Lord as we gather around his word and around his table today. We're going to commence the worship of God by turning in our hymnals to the Psalm 103a. The Psalm 103a found in the back section of the hymnal. Psalm 103a, O thou my soul, bless God the Lord, and all that in me is, be stirred up his holy name to magnify and bless. 103a, and we'll stand as we worship, please.
morning. You may be seated. We're turning in the Word of God to John's Gospel, chapter 19. The Gospel of John, chapter 19. And we'll read down from the verse 28. And we're coming to remember the Lord's death till He come. We're coming to the table of the Lord, the conclusion of this service. And so uh, we are reading verses here that bring us right to the cross of Christ and remind us of what the, sea, what the Savior suffered for his people. John's Gospel, chapter 19, and the verse 28. The Word of God says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Neither was said a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head, and gave up the ghost. The Jews therefore, because it was the preparation and that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. For that Sabbath day was an high day. Besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers, and brake the legs of the first, and of the other which was crucified with him. And when they came to Jesus, and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs." But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bore record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the Scripture should be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. And again another Scripture saith, They shall look on him whom they pierced. Amen. And may the Lord bless uh, the reading of his precious and inerrant truth today. Let us unite together in prayer. Uh, let us seek uh, the Lord, the Lord's blessing uh, to be upon us. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we rejoice today that we can approach thy throne of grace. We thank Thee we can come with praise and thanksgiving unto Thee for all that Thou hast done for us. We lift our voices to Thee in thankfulness for the cross of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank Thee today that we can come to the table of the Lord and remember and reflect upon what Thou hast accomplished there through Thy Son, for us, thy people. We thank thee that we can remind ourselves of the cross and the great cry of the Savior from the cross. It is finished. And we rejoice, O God, that we can depend upon those words. For we know that the work of redemption, we know that that work that has the great foundation for which we are saved is finished. That we as the people of God, we do not need to add works to salvation. And we do not need to take away from it or, 
alter this great work that has been done, for it is finished. And we rejoice, we can rest upon it, that we can believe with faith that Christ has accomplished and finished the work of redemption for us. And we rejoice that that gives us confidence. Confidence is thy people to live for thee, to serve thee, to proclaim that there is one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee it gives confidence to the church of Christ to continually and boldly proclaim the name of Christ and him who is the only Savior. Father, we pray it would give us confidence to witness, to evangelize, that because Christ has finished this work of redemption, then others and those who are in their sins can look to the Savior and rest and depend upon him. And our Father, today as we come to thy table, may we receive grace, may we know thy blessing upon us. We pray that would meet our needs. And Father, we think of our needs as a congregation. We look to thee for grace. We pray that thou would build thy church, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We pray thou would bless the radio ministry. And Father, thou would bless the preaching ministry here. And we thank thee for the Sunday school, the boys and the girls, and the families represented, and the families of this congregation. Father, meet our needs, and bless us, and may we grow in grace and godliness, and may Christ be the center of each home. And Father, we do remember those who are in need. We do remember our brother Colin, his mother especially, that thou would continue to give grace and to give help. We think of Debbie. Uh, we think of Clayton Snow. Uh, we think, uh, Father, uh, of our brother Vern. And uh, we remember his wife as well and family and their needs. And, Father, others as well who need thy help and need thy strength. We pray that thou would uh, continue to give comfort and grace. We rejoice that thy grace is sufficient for us. Father, we remember our needs as a denomination as well. We think of our mission works. Think of our sister congregations. Bless, we pray. We do remember the minister's week of prayer in Winston-Salem tomorrow. And throughout this week, we pray for thy blessing uh, to be upon it. Uh, that fellowship would be enjoyed, one with another, but with thee. That thou would bless the business of this denomination as it is discussed and presented. That we would know the mind of God. And Father, uh, we pray that thou would bless every congregation. And may each one of us know uh, the outpouring of thy spirit in these days. Father, we pray that thou would move amongst us. We think of families who are not united in Christ. Families with loved ones who have never turned from sin or trusted the Savior. We pray thou would move in grace. Move in love. Saving precious souls. Answer our cries, we pray. May Christ be glorified as we gather together and worship thee. And may we know, Father, thy presence here amongst us. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Going to turn again in our hymnals, the hymn 128. The hymn 128, Man of Sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. What a Savior. The man of sorrows, hallelujah, what a Savior. Hymn 128, 
and we'll stand as we sing. be seated. I'm going to turn in the Word of God to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. And that chapter of this Old Testament prophet that points to Christ and specifically to the cross of our Lord Jesus. Isaiah 53 and commencing to read at verse 1. And let us hear and give due diligence and attention uh, to the word of God. <clears throat> Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, uh, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is broad as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, and neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word today. At this point in our service, can we extend a warm word of welcome again to each one present and to those who are visiting with us as well, we welcome you. And to those watching online, uh, we trust that you feel at home with us, though you're not here in person, uh, but we trust that you'll be blessed of the Lord as you listen in. Do you remember the uh, services for the remainder of today? We have a prayer meeting in the basement at 5.30 p.m., and the evening service at 6 p.m. We do invite you to come again to the house of God as we worship him this evening. On Wednesday, we have our prayer meeting and Bible study, 7.30 p.m. in the basement. It will also be on Zoom. And one of our elders, Mr. Alan Samuel, will be responsible for that meeting. If you want to join and you're not on our usual Zoom list that we email out, then please contact me and uh, we can send you uh, the login information. Next Lord's Day, uh, 9.30 a.m. is the Sunday School for the Children and for the adults up here in the main part of the building as well. And then 10.30 in the morning, uh, we have our morning worship and it is the Thanksgiving weekend. And as we come to worship the Lord, we'll be bearing that in mind and rejoicing and being thankful uh, for what he has done for us. Next Lord's Day as well, 1.45 p.m., we have our monthly service at the Langley Lodge Home. It's not today. It's been moved uh, to next week because of, well, because of this long weekend, uh, though next week is a long weekend as well. Um, and it is uh, 1.45. And due to new regulations by BC Health, uh, those who are visiting, who are coming with us, uh, masks are required and the mask will be provided by the home itself as we enter. It's a new regulation uh, came in this week, 
and I was informed about it, uh, I think it was Thursday or Friday. So do uh, bear uh, that in mind, please. Uh, That is the only uh, restriction at this time. Uh, The residents don't have to wear masks, but those who are workers, volunteers, those like ourselves who come in, uh, we have to wear a mask. And then 5.30, the prayer meeting, 6 p.m., the evening service. Do remember to pray for myself and Mr. Ruzma as we will be attending the Free Presbyterian Church Week of Prayer in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We leave and arrive there tomorrow morning and we come back Friday evening. So do pray for us, pray for the brethren as we gather together to pray, to hear the Word of God preached and to do the business of the denomination as well. Due to international roaming, uh, my cell phone uh, will not uh, be active. I can't take any calls as well from from the church number. And so uh, if you do need me throughout the week, uh, then email me. My email details are on the bulletin. And that's the easiest way for me to get, or for you to get in touch with me and me to get back to you as well. And uh, if necessary, we may be able to arrange a phone call, but contact me by email. I'm still available, uh, but that is the means that would have to be used until late Friday evening. You'll notice as well that we have a new bulletin. Uh, We have a a bulletin for the last month that was uh, redesigned this week. And so there's a few Puritan quotations, the devotional from Spurgeon that we've been doing, and then the order of service as well. Uh, So do bear that in mind. And hopefully uh, every Lord's Day there will be a copy available on the way in for you to take. And it will denote uh, the order of worship, uh, the points of the sermons, and uh, there's a space for notes that may vary depending on how much we have to say otherwise. Uh, but there's a space to take notes. We encourage that. Uh, write something down if you feel uh, that you should uh, do that. Uh, the Free Presbyterian International Congress is taking place next year, July the 1st to the 5th, in Belfast uh, in Northern Ireland. Uh, all our uh, denomination is invited. Uh, we join with the Presbyterian Northern Ireland. We have uh, five nights of meetings, teaching meetings, and fellowship uh, with those from the Ulster Presbytery. Uh, so if you are interested in traveling to that event, there are some details available regarding accommodation uh, for a group from North America. Uh, so if you are interested, please contact me. I can forward those details uh, to you as well. These are all the announcements, uh, the subject uh, to Uh, the will of God. And we're going to turn on our hymnals to our offering hymn, the hymn 135. 135, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. 135, we'll remain seated while our offerings for the Lord's work are received, please.
heavenly God and Father, we thank thee, Lord, that we can gather together in thy house. We thank thee, Lord, for taking care of us throughout these days. We thank you, Lord, that we know good things come from thy hand. We ask that you would take our tithes and our offerings, that you would use them and bless them, that your gospel message may go forth, that the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ may be heard in many places. We thank thee, Lord, as we gather together. Bless our pastors. He would bring this word. And we ask that you would open up our hearts to the word. Help us to take it in. Help us to rejoice in the knowledge of our Savior. And also around this table that you would bless. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Change our positions. We'll stand for verse 4. We're the whole realm of nature mind. Verse 4, standing to sing. be seated. We're turning again in the Word of God to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. And I want to draw your attention this morning uh, to the verse 3. Isaiah 53 verse 3. And the Word of God says, He is despised and rejected of men, man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. Let us pray and let us seek the Lord together as we come to the preaching of his word. Our Father and our God, we come before Thee with needy hearts and needy souls. We need Thee. We need the power of Thy Spirit here amongst us. And we need the power of Thy Spirit for the preaching of Thy precious and infallible truth. We pray Thou would open up this passage to us. And as we come to the table of the Lord, that it would indeed prepare our hearts to receive the bread and the cup. Father, may much be made of the Savior, and may Christ be uplifted and magnified. May we lift him up as the glorious Savior. And we think of Moses, who lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, and so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And Father, as Christ was lifted up upon the cross of Calvary to die for us and die for our sins, we pray today that uh, he would be lifted up as we preach. And that those who know not the Savior would cast their eyes upon him and would know and repent and believe. And Father, we pray that thou would apply thy word to our hearts through the power of thy Spirit. Glorify thy name, we pray. And may 
This be a blessed time around thy truth, around thy table. We ask and pray for Christ's sake. Amen. <coughs> Amen. The hymn writer wrote the words that we sang not so long ago. Man of sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Oh, the joy that was in the heart of the writer as he thought upon the Savior, as he took that title of Christ that we see here in Isaiah 53, the man of sorrows. And dear believers, Sunday, or as many Christians refer to it, the Lord's Day, is a weekly reminder of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection of the one who was delivered for our offenses and who rose again for our justification. And today, as the Lord's table is spread before us, we also remember specifically his death till he come. And this is a commandment of Christ. We are to remember the man of sorrows. We are to remember the one who bore our sins. And as we considered at the adult Sunday school a few moments previous to this service, it is a command to every believer to remember his death till he come. And it is a command for you and for I to join with us today at his table to remember the man of sorrows who died for us and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross at Calvary and his subsequent resurrection from the dead form the focal point, the foundation, the pivotal point of the gospel of Christ. It was the apostle Paul who wrote to the church at Corinth and he said, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. In other words, he's saying, I preached to you a message that I first received, a message he received from Christ, the message of the gospel. And he said that this message is how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And those two words, Christ died, they are the foundation of our faith, the foundation of our salvation and redemption. If Christ had not died, where would our souls be? And we ought never to deride or to reject these two great and spiritual truths. Christ died, and of course Christ rose again. We should believe the Bible. We should believe what the Word of God teaches us because every last word is the truth of God. And therefore, when we come to consider the death of Christ, it was a real death. It was a death by which the Savior died for the sins of his people. A death that redeems us. And the chapter that we have before us today is called... In some ways, the gospel of Isaiah rather than the prophecy of Isaiah because it relates to us a clear revelation of the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah is writing to the Jews about their unbelief concerning the death of the promised Messiah. And he says, who hath believed our report? Who hath believed our report? There was unbelief concerning the Messiah. And is that your attitude today toward the Lamb of God who gave himself upon Calvary, who sacrificed himself? Unbelief. Unbelief concerning what happened. 
Unbelief regarding that he died for your sins. Oh, that you would believe today with all your heart in the glorious Savior, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is there unbelief? Why is this report not believed? Isaiah is bringing this report to those who knew something about the promised Messiah. He wasn't coming and declaring a new king and an unknown king and declaring something the people knew absolutely nothing about. But he was speaking of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who had been promised, the one that they looked for, the one that they could remember and reflect and see in Scripture was promised by God back at the Garden of Eden. But they did not believe this report. And why? Well, there are many reasons why this report was not believed. There are many reasons why the gospel of Christ is not believed. Firstly, there's a resting of hearts in outward ceremonies, as if these ceremonies were ordained for them and not to point to any other thing. We can think that of Judaism. And in the religion of the Jews at this point in time, they rested in the outward ceremony. They rested in what they could see, in the sacrifices that Hebrews tells us could never take away sins. They rested in those ceremonies as if those ceremonies were what they had to do to have favor with God and that these ceremonies did not point to something else. But they did point to something else. They pointed to Christ. They pointed to the Savior. Oh, you could be in the church today. You know not Christ is your Savior. You've never repented of sin, but you're resting in actually being here. You're resting in the outward ceremony of praise and prayer and preaching and reading the Word of God. You're resting in that outwardness. But that outwardness only points to the one who you should be trusting, the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not rest in the preaching for salvation. We do not rest in singing for salvation. We do not rest in coming together in a place such as this for salvation. These things as we come to worship God point us to Christ. And you should be resting upon the Savior, upon the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Some would say there was a lack of interest in the coming Messiah. There were pious and godly Jews, but they only looked for his coming. There was a lack of interest. We see that today concerning Christ, do we not? A lack of interest in spiritual things. A lack of interest, maybe in your own heart and life. There's more exciting things to consider. The hockey season is just around the corner. There's entertainment galore available for you today to enjoy. Oh, Christ, he set aside. There's a lack of interest. The preaching and teaching of Scripture, the reading of God's Word, the coming and worshiping God, it's boring, many say. There's a lack of interest. It's not needed. It's not needed. There's a hatred of the prophets. The prophets pointed out their sins, the sin of the people, and they had issues then listening to everything else the prophets said about the great Messiah. Oh, your sin can be pointed out. The sin and wickedness, that is part of your life and part of your person. 
But you need to keep listening because that sin can be dealt with by the Lord Jesus Christ. They had, the Jews had an erroneous view of who the Messiah would be. This physical deliverer from the Romans who would set up an earthly kingdom. And today the same thing can happen. You can have an erroneous view of Christ. He's not God. He wasn't real. He doesn't really forgive sins. It's not necessary to trust in him. All these different opinions and these views and beliefs as to who Christ is. It turned many away from believing the report. There can be pride. Pride in understanding. Pride in not admitting that we're sinners. Pride that keeps us from believing in a Savior who humbled himself for us. There were those thinking of the Gentiles now who didn't believe the report because Christ was unaccepted by their pagan religion and society in certain places as we know from history. It was a crime to follow Christ. It was a crime to live for the Savior. And today, is it easy to live for Christ, to stand for him in a world that hates him? Oh, how many turn aside because Christ would not be accepted. How many children and young people turn aside from Christ? The Christ their parents follow. The Christ they're taught about in church. The Christ their family follows. Because they know their friends would never accept it. The hard conditions. There's ignorance concerning what Christ has accomplished. There can be a careless security. Many who think that they are well enough in Christ or in life without Christ. Many who believe they don't need their sins forgiven. But let me say this, the table we have before us today is a table that sits in front of us and reminds us of the truth that all men need the Savior, that we needed Christ, that we needed His salvation. This table reminds us of the need for Christ's salvation in your own life and in your own soul. What did God say to the rich young fool? Eat, drink, and be merry, the fool said. But God said, This night thy soul shall be required of thee. There was no interest, a careless security, thinking all is well. And God said, Tonight is your time. This table reminds us that our security in life is not in ourselves, it's in Christ, it's in the Savior. Be a hardness of heart. There can be a self-confidence. Oh, do these things we're saying, do they describe you? You've not believed in Christ. You've not trusted in Christ because you think all is well with your soul. Oh, that you would believe this report. And this morning, we find the prophet moves into describing the Savior and describing what he suffered for us. And I want us to consider our precious lamb upon the cross. Our precious lamb upon the cross. As we come to the table of the Lord, we are remembering our precious lamb. The lamb of God who taketh away our sin. And I want you to see, and the outline is in uh, the bulletin for you to follow along. We see firstly here that the lamb of God experienced sorrow for us. The lamb of God experienced sorrow for for us. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. And this term describes the height of misery that the Savior suffered. He was the almighty Son of God, the creator of heaven and earth. But he left behind that glory and he left behind that splendor. And he came to earth 
to become man. We, can ha we have in view here the humiliation of Christ, the humbling of Christ. Christ who was God, who became man and humbled himself. The book of Philippians chapter 2 tells us, He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Christ suffered as a man. He experienced the hardships of life. He was tempted like as we are. He knew what it was to face hunger and thirst. He faced the sorrows of this life. Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus. Thomas Manton said this, that Christ was so extremely mean, not meaning a mean, nasty person, but mean in regard to who he was and his life. He wasn't rich. He did not have the luxuries of life. That's what it means. Christ was so extremely mean and miserable. Again, meaning the same thing, that it was impossible to be lower as a man. That statement we could take the wrong way, as affecting the Godhead of Christ. And, but what it means is that in life, Christ had nothing. As a man, he had nothing. He was the one who created this world, but he came into this world as a man to nothing, a poor and lowly reputation. He humbled himself and was made in the likeness of men. He humbled himself unto death. The psalmist said, Psalm 22, verse 6, But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. And we see this despising. We see this rejection in Isaiah 53. He was rejected by the Jews. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said unto them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, and they cried out, We have no king but Caesar. Caesar's our king. And when we think of the Roman government of that day, the Jews were oppressed by the Romans. They looked for a Messiah who would deliver them physically from the rule of the Roman Empire. And they cried out, so that Christ would die, so that Christ would suffer. They cried out in their sin, we have no king but Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. It would be like you spending your life criticizing Justin Trudeau, saying everything against him, pointing out where he was wrong and how he could improve and the things that he said, pointing out all this wrong about him and then eventually turning around and comparing him to another politician and saying, I have no king, I have no leader but Trudeau. Something's wrong. You've completely changed your mind. You've spent time criticizing one man. And now you've turned around in rejecting another for the man that you criticized. They had no time for Caesar. No love for Caesar. He was that symbol of oppression. A king set up by the Romans, but they turned and rejected Christ by saying, we have no king. Caesar's our king. Caesar's our king. Oh, is that the attitude of your heart today when you think of Christ? There's no king but you. There's no king but Caesar. 
And the Caesar of your heart can be many things. The Caesar of your heart can be the pleasures of this world. It can be the sins you enjoy. Those things that keep you away from Christ. You have no king in your life. No Christ in your life because Caesar's your king. Oh, that you would turn and consider Christ. And not let the flesh and the devil rule your heart. But turn to the Savior. He was despised. He was not esteemed. There was a great contempt for the Savior. Here's an object of scorn and hatred. Said of the Savior, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. They criticized him. They poured scorn upon him. They afflicted him. The perfect, spotless Lamb of God, the one who would die in our place, and he was a man of sorrows, a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. Never freed from that grief, from the cradle to the cross, he experienced grief. He suffered great agony in the garden of Gethsemane. His soul was sorrowful unto death. And we have a Savior who experienced sorrow. But Hebrews tells us, for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them, to help them, to aid them who were tempted. And that's an encouragement for us. Because Christ was a man of sorrows, we can glean encouragement and help from him. He experienced these things. Why did Christ undergo all these sorrows? To comfort us that the promise might be fulfilled. In Mark 9 verse 12 it says, How it is written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be said at naught. That the word of God might be fulfilled. That he might obey the decrees and appointment of God. It was always in the plan of God for the Savior to suffer. For the Savior to die. That he could comfort his people. We've considered that verse already. He undergone these sorrows so that he could go to the cross of Calvary to die for us. He endured sorrow so that we would not face sorrow in hell for all eternity. He humbled himself so that we could be lifted up, that we could stand in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How marvelous that is, a Savior who was a man of sorrows. And then secondly, I want you to see the Lamb of God endured suffering for us. The Lamb of God endured suffering for us. We see uh, this here. and uh, We see this verse 4 as well. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Those are physical suffering. The Savior had the crown of thorns placed upon his head. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was scorned. He was mocked. He cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was taken physically and nailed to the cross at Calvary. The nails pierced his hands and his feet. That spear later on went into his side. Who here would like to endure such things? Who here would like to suffer in that way? It's not a death that we would choose. Horrific, terrible. But the Savior endured that suffering. Why? Because he loved us. Because he loved his people. 
because this was the only way in which his people could be saved. He was made sin for us. He suffered because of our sin and our iniquity. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 tells us, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And there was a name to Christ coming into this world and a purpose in the cross. He lived with the cross in view. In John 3, the Savior said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew he was going to die for his people. He endured suffering for you and I because of our sin. And sin is a reality. Sin is a reality. Dear believer, we look at our sin and we rejoice that Christ has cleansed us. And we desire his help day by day to flee sin and to leave that sin behind and to live for Christ. But what about your sin, unbeliever, that sin that has never been dealt with? That sin that separates you from God. We heard the Lord's table to remember his death for us, to remember him dealing with my sin and dealing with the sin of those here who are redeemed and will partake. But your sin has not been dealt with. This table does not remind you that Christ has dealt with your sin and lead to rejoicing and grace, but this table reminds you that Christ can deal with your sin, that Christ has suffered for sinners such as you, that you would turn to him, that you would believe. You would look to the Son of Man who was lifted up. Oh, the great love of Christ is the Lamb of God who endured suffering for us. And there's three chief lessons here, dear believer, for you and I. Patience and comfort. Patience and comfort. When we think of what Christ endured, he was the son of God. He was the one who created this world and he's being put to death by the hands of evil men. Yes, his death was in the plan of God. That does not mean that these men then are free from the sin of killing the spotless, pure lamb of God. They put him to death. But he suffered with patience. We have comfort because we see the suffering of Christ. When we think of our patience in life, is not our patience often lacking? Or the patience of Christ in suffering for us? Taking the pain and the agony as he died for your sin and for my sin, as he suffered the wrath of God. We have a patient Savior. Let us be patient believers. Let us be believers that find a comfort in a Christ who perfectly endured this suffering for us. There was humility as well. We've seen that already. Christ humbled himself. Let us humble ourselves. Let us not be filled with pride. We have a Savior the King of glory who was made nothing for us. Let us not be filled with pride. Let us realize who we are and with humble hearts serve our King and serve our Savior. Let us not look at those in society or within the church that we don't want to be associated with because they, in our estimation, may be lower than us. Let us humble ourselves. If Christ 
only died to redeem the best of society, he would have redeemed nobody because of our sin and because of our misery and because of our rebellion. Let us be humble. And the third lesson is love. Love. All this suffering, this death of Christ, the torment and the wrath of God upon the cross, all of this was out of love for you and for I. Love for his beloved people. And our gospel is a gospel of love. The Lord's table that we have here is a table that exists because of love. A table that is spread because of the love of Christ. A table that we are drawn to out of love. Christ's love for us and our love for Christ. What of love? Do we have love? Dear believer, do you have a love for Christ? Have you experienced the great love of Christ within your soul? Oh, that we would be drawn to the table today, not because we're expected to partake. Not because if we don't partake or we leave, others will look at us. Not because it's, we could say to use the phrase, the done, the normal thing to do. Let us partake out of love. Love for our Savior because he died for us. Love for our Savior because he died for us and we are desiring to walk in his ways and to follow him and to live for him. And then thirdly and finally, the Lamb of God expiated sin for us. Expiated sin for us. There were amends made. There was a resolution. And this is why the Savior suffered. Christ paid the penalty for sin. That's what the word means. Expiated. He was made sin for us. He suffered in our stead. He was that offering for sin. Book of Hebrews tells us, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. What does that verse teach us? Christ's work was finished. It was a completed work. A completed work. If I sit down now, you're going to wonder what's going on. He hasn't actually finished his sermon. Preacher, stand back up. Don't be sitting down. You need to finish. There's more to this service. You need to keep preaching. You need to go and to conduct the Lord's table. You can't sit down and put your feet up. Christ sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Why? The work was done. The work was done. I'll go home after this service. I'll sit down because the morning work is done. And five minutes later start thinking about the evening service. And the week of prayer coming this week. And getting ready for the evening service. But eventually, somewhere along the way, we'll sit down because the work is done. Christ sat down. And that is significant because the work is done. And what does that mean to us? It means that our salvation is accomplished. We can rest upon Christ. Isaiah 53 speaks of the Savior, the suffering Savior, the Savior who is the man of sorrows, the Savior who was smitten of God, the Savior who was bruised, the Savior who is the great victor, the Savior who accomplished salvation. The hymn writer said, O love divine, what hast thou done? The immortal God hath died for me. The Father's co-eternal Son bore all my sins upon the tree. The immortal God for me hath died. My Lord, my love is crucified. The immortal God, Christ died for us 
And it was a death that was perfectly effective, a finished work, a completed work. Dear believer, understand that. That as we come to the table of the Lord, this work, this death we're remembering is a completed work. We do not come to the Lord's table to earn salvation. We do not come to the Lord's table to receive grace that we might be saved. We come to the Lord's table to remember that Christ has done all of that. That the work has been finished. And as you and I partake, let us rejoice in that. That this work is finished. That there is nothing, no man can pluck us out of the Father's hands. Dear unbeliever, think on this, that Christ has finished the work of redemption. The only way you can be saved, nothing else needs to be added to it. It's a very simple thought when we consider what Christ has done. It's his way is the only way. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. His way does not need anything added to it. Nothing added to it. Repent and believe the gospel of Christ. It was all sufficient. All sufficient. And what happened? Christ rose again. The great seal of that work. It was accomplished for us. And dear believer, as we close, what do we take away from all of this? Well, these thoughts are to draw us to the table. That we desire to be at the table of the Lord. That we desire the Lord's blessing to be upon us. That we esteem our Savior. Isaiah 53 speaks of those who esteemed him not. But we as his blood-bought children are to esteem him. And how do we do that? We desire and we labor after communion with him with care and diligence. We're to prize the Lord's table. We're to prize communion and fellowship with our Savior. The psalmist said... Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. And therefore we're to rejoice in Christ. We're to rejoice when we spend time with Christ. Coming to the house of God, we're to rejoice in being here because we're with Christ. Isaiah said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. We're to prize the things where we find most of Christ. His ordinances, the Lord's table, his communion, his worship. Do we prize his worship? Do we see that it is good for us to be here? Is our soul overflowing with love for the Savior? Love as we consider Christ. Or would you rather the preacher does sit down so we can all get to go home? Is that what's on our mind or is it Christ and his love and his grace toward us? Or whether we would have an esteem in professing Christ, boldness in professing Christ. If we truly love him, if we truly rejoice in what he has done for us, we'll profess him, we'll speak his name, we'll stand for him, we'll live for him, we'll exalt Christ in all that we do, we'll avoid those means by which Christ can be dishonored. That's an important thought. Avoiding the ways in which we can dishonor Christ. Avoiding false worship. Avoiding false doctrine. Our attitude 
toward the Savior, attitude toward the Lord's table. We can dishonor the Savior by coming unworthily to his table with hearts that are not right toward him. Let us honor him in all that we do because he is our blessed lamb. Let your light so shine before men, the Savior said, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let us finally then rejoice in dishonor by the world as we seek to be honorable to Christ. There's afflictions, there's reproaches, there's persecutions. If we love Christ and we esteem him and esteem his work of salvation and esteem him as the precious lamb upon the cross, let us rejoice in reproaches and afflictions and persecutions for his namesake. Dear believer, let us come with love this morning to the table of the Lord, rejoicing in him, rejoicing that he suffered for us, that he is the man of sorrows and that he dealt sufficiently with our sin. May the Lord bless his word for his name's sake. Amen. And let us pray. Eternal God and Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy word today. We pray that thou would apply it to our hearts, that we would rejoice in our precious Lamb upon the cross of Calvary, the Lamb who died for us, who rose again for our justification. And Father, as we come to the table of the Lord, we pray thy hand of blessing would be upon us. Thou would meet our needs and that uh, we would rejoice in all that thou hast done for us. We pray for those outside of Christ. Father, draw them to thyself. Save their souls, we pray. And may they rejoice in their land upon the cross. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. We're going to turn in our hymnals to hymn 143. 143. The old rugged cross on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. 143, we'll stand to sing verse 1 and verse 2 only uh, before we come to the table of the Lord. And then as we come to the end of these two verses, we do invite our two elders uh, to make their way to the table, please. 143 verses 1 and 2, standing to sing, please.
Dear congregation, as we come uh, to the table of the Lord uh, this morning, it gives us joy as the pastor and the session uh, to welcome in a new member. Uh, you can become a member of this congregation by applying for membership directly here, uh, but also by transferring membership uh, from another uh, congregation. And so this morning uh, we have a transfer from Calgary, and uh, we do on behalf of uh, of myself and the session and congregation here, welcome into membership, uh, Mrs. Hannah Fitton, and uh, we trust uh, for the Lord's blessing uh, to be upon her as a member of this uh, congregation. And perhaps at this point, uh, we could ask uh, her to come to the front and to uh, shake our hands and to have uh, the right hand of fellowship uh, by myself and the elders, please. As we come to the table of the Lord uh, this morning, uh, let us unite together and let us pray. Uh, let us remember as well the new member that we've welcomed in and uh, let us seek the Lord. Our Father and our God, uh, we thank thee for thy church. Uh, we thank thee uh, for those who have committed to thy work, uh, those who have come under the shepherding oversight of this congregation. And we do remember our sister today who has joined us. We pray that uh, thou would uh, bless her and make her a blessing uh, to this congregation. Remember our other members as well and uh, the friends that attend here. And Father, uh, we thank thee for their faithfulness and for their love toward thee. And we pray that as a congregation, 
that thou would bless us, enable us to grow in love for Christ, to grow numerically, uh, to grow with that great desire uh, to reach out into this world uh, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we think on membership, we do remember the oversight of this congregation. We think of the deacons. We pray thy blessing would be upon them as they deal with those matters of the church that concern them. And we do remember the elders as well, uh, the oversight of the session. We pray that thou would bless and lead and continue to guide and give wisdom, we pray. And may all of us rest upon thee and upon thy word. Father, we pray in light of what we read at the Bible class regarding Acts chapter 20, verse 28, of the great responsibility to feed the flock of God, to care for them, because they are purchased with the precious blood of Christ. Father, give us all a love for thy church who have been purchased by thy precious blood. And as we come to thy table today, we pray that thou would bless it to us. Give us that grace, we ask, and may Christ be glorified, we pray, for his sake. Amen. Amen. We're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we'll read some verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 from the verse 23. We did read it at Adult Sunday School this morning, dealing with the table of the Lord. And we'll read these verses again as we come to the Lord's table. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, the word of God says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you, this do, in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Amen. We'll end there verse 28, trusting the Lord's blessing uh, to be upon the reading of his precious word. This is the institution of Christ, the command of Christ for his people who know him and who love him to come, to, to come with love, to be drawn by love, to partake in remembrance of him and his death. And there is a warning that goes out, verse 27, by those who drink unworthily. And it is our duty as those who have oversight in the church of Christ to guard the table. And this table this morning is for those who know and love Christ as their Savior. Those who trust Him, who are resting upon Him, who are seeking to walk with Him. If you're outside of Christ, if you've never turned from your sin, if you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus, if you don't have faith in him, this table is not for you. You're welcome to sit and to watch, to listen, but not to partake. And so if that is the case, just pass on the bread and pass on the cup. 
But if you know and love the Savior, then we encourage you and invite you to come and partake, to receive that grace and uh, to remember his death till he come. Amen. And going to ask one of the elders here to give thanks for the bread that reminds us of the broken body of our Savior. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we gather together here in thy sanctuary, around thy table, and we come with hearts that have heard thy message of thy suffering, thine agony, and what thou endured for our sakes. Help us, Lord, as we would take this bread, that we would hear thy word, that it would touch our minds and hearts, that we would remember what it cost thee, that thy body was abused, crown of thorns was placed on thy head, there was a whip and a scourging over thy body, that was meant for us. Yet, Lord, we can come here today and partake of this bread and remember that thou hast done this for our sakes, that we may come to a heavenly Father with the knowledge that the Son, the Lord Jesus, has accomplished these things. His body being spat upon, abused by the soldiers, pierced, nailed, all these things, Lord, for my sake, for our sake, that we would know our Savior, that we would trust him, the perfect Lamb of God. Help us, Lord, to know how holy Thou art, what love there is in Thy heart for Your people. Help us to take it in. Help us to remember. Increase our faith that we may desire to serve Thee. Help us to be that witness to others. Help us to never forget what it costs thee, that we may rejoice in the salvation purchased by our Savior for our souls. O oh Lord, we thank thee, we praise thee, we give thee honor, we give our hearts to thee. We ask that you would bless us now, and we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. going to make just a slight change to how we do things this morning. We're going to give out the bread and then we'll read the words of institution and then uh, partake uh, together please.
Word of God tells us that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Amen. Let us partake. ask another of our elders to give thanks for the cup. It reminds us of the precious and shed blood of our Saviour. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, O God, for this precious time of communion. Lord, thank You for the reminder through the preaching of Thy Word this morning of the high cost of our Savior going to that cross on Calvary and paying that price for lost sinners, for dying in our place and taking the penalty that was due to us. Lord, thank you for the meaning of the cross. Thank you that it was God in the flesh dying upon there for our sins, taking that eternal punishment taken by an eternal being, Lord, punishment that no man can take. And Lord, we thank Thee, O God, that You loved us enough to die on Calvary, to take the wrath of God upon Thy body. And Lord, we pray that as You loved us this much, help us to return that love, Lord, by loving Thee even more, by resting in the work of the cross, by recognizing that Your blood was a price paid for us, Your very life. And Lord, thank You that the grave could not hold You and that You rose from the grave having victory over death, over sin, over the devil, over hell. Lord, thank you for that mighty victory over the grave. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to keep that in mind. Lord, not to be dis distracted by the various things of the world, but Lord, to have that single-minded purpose and affection for our Savior. Help us, Lord, to rejoice in what you have done for us. And may we be your salt and light that you've called us to be in this world. Thank you for that blood, Lord, that you spilled for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll hold the cup till everyone is received, and then after the words of institution, we'll partake it together.
The word of God says, After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Let us partake. Turn again in our hymnals to hymn 143. 143, the old rugged cross, verse 3, verse 4, the last two verses, and we'll stand to sing, please.
by a witness that Jesus saves. We pray, Father, that Thou would be with us today, bring us again to Thy house this night as we gather around Thy word and do us good today and the remainder of this week. We pray Thou would be pleased to part us with Thy blessing. May the love of God our Father, grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit rest, remain, and abide with us both now and forevermore.